C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And today we have a most esteemed guest. Very esteemed. The esteem level is high. Oh God! Levels extraordinarily high. Uh, Lily Womble of Date Brazen. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to be here. Um, before we get started with our usual segments, we'd love it um, if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and say how old you are, where you grew up, and a brief synopsis of what you're doing now in the city. Amazing. So I'm Lily Macklemore Womble. Macklemore is my real middle name. rapper. And it's not like, you know, you can Google it, whatever. But I like to say it because I like people to think that I'm related to Macklemore, Um, though I'm not. So that can be edited out. That's just superfluous (laughs) information. Um, I am from Birmingham, Alabama, and I am 26. And I originate, like, my career originated in the nonprofit sector around advocacy for women and girls. I've always had this really deep passion for um, helping women do their best in life and in whatever that means to them. And, uh, and then I quit all of that nonprofit stuff, moved to New York to be an actress. That didn't work out. I have a lot of stories from mm-hmm. that. And I got a matchmaking side job a couple of years ago Mm. and discovered that I was really good at matchmaking. Uh, And then a couple of years into uh, matchmaking, I created my own date coaching company because I found that um, I could teach women to be their own expert matchmaker and then they could match themselves better than anybody else ever could. So now I run Date Brazen and loving it. That's amazing. I can't wait to get more into the weeds with that a little bit later. That's so exciting. Um, But to begin, Shay, do you have a millennial moment for the group? Well, I had one specific one, but then I realized my whole day was just (laughs) a series of millennial moments. uh, I feel like this happens to us often. I know, in that very definitive sense of what a millennial moment is. Um, But then I'll just end with my burning question that I've had that I feel like makes me a millennial. And I Mm -hmm. would very much like to get your Mm -hmm. opinion on my question, um, which you'll see what it is. But basically, the end of the question is, am I going to die? Oh, Uh, okay. So just get Probably not, but we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you'll see. Uh, So anyway, no, my day to day, I just felt like I, you know, I signed a new client, a new one on one client. So that was really exciting. But then I didn't have any clean underwear. And then I was like eating, I mean, not healthily, but not like I was anything crazy. But then I just saw some cookies on the counter. and I just ate three of them for no goddamn good reason. Um, Let's see. Oh, I do need a good reason to eat a cookie. Well, I don't think you do need a good reason, but, and that was why I hadn't (laughs) been eating them. Well, I hadn't been eating them because they didn't really look that delicious, Uh but then 
I think this is why it was a camp adulthood moment because I was like, even those those don't look delicious. I'm going to eat one. And then I ate one and then it was delicious. So I ate two more. <laughs> and so the two more, two of them I'm not ashamed of. One of them I am. <laughs> no, um, no shame. No shame. And then, oh yeah, so then I had to go help take care of an elderly relative, but then I got home and even though it's like 4.30 and I'm going to be talking to you guys, I like put on my pajamas and took off my bra. So well, we can only see I you from like, like the clavicle up right now. I so know. you could have fooled I, us. I actually think I look kind of good in this <laughs> video today. I don't know. Uh, so it was just, it was very much like this mix of like, I'm doing grown up things and I'm winning. And then I also didn't like, I did like this whole big project this morning but I did it in my like naked in my bathrobe like it was just all those juxtapositions and those contradictions but my real question was you know as a millennial woman I love my dry shampoo right like if I could never wash my hair again and only use dry shampoo that would be a pretty good life for me um but then I started thinking about dry shampoo and how it's full of I would imagine it's full of particulates and I'm like, am I going to get cancer and popcorn lung and die at a young age because of my love of dry shampoo? Are millennial women worried about this? Should I be worried about it? But then I also didn't want to Google, will dry shampoo give me lung cancer because it's too scary. You don't want to know. know. Well, I will say yeah. after living with Shay, I feel like you use dry shampoo at least more than I do. Yes. Like not I, to... I, back but significantly can i make a recommendation yeah so i just use baby powder Mm -hmm. i literally and that's just cornstarch ew huh that's the thing is do i I don't want to be breathing in the The particulates particulates. but if it's not an aerosol spray if you're just like powdering it on your like bumble and bumble has a great powder option that's not like a paste i think like using the paste because i was like that just takes away all the powder and all the particulates out of the air. But I will say, this is a a fun anecdotal side story that's related. I was home for Thanksgiving, and my mom has, like, very tight, curly hair. My hair, this is how it naturally comes out of the, like, shower. Very straight. Very straight. And my mom's is, like, super tight curls, and she blows her hair out every day, but she uses, like, a shit ton of hairspray. And I think she's grown accustomed to the smell like not on her person but like I went into her bathroom like not after like not right after she had like done it like it had been sitting there for a while and I was like dying in there and I was like you are gonna fumigate yourself and dad with this hairspray and I think she because she just uses it all day every day you get used to it and like that's not super healthy but yeah at the same time I feel like the dry shampoo is better than hairspray Maybe. Oh, see, I thought it was worse than hairspray. and But again, I didn't want to Google it because I was too afraid. Do you but want me to sidebar, Google it right now? <laughs> no, please don't. Okay. Google it later, and if I'm going to die... No, you'll be fine. Text me. <laughs> no, I feel like it's very common, like, people not washing their hair for, like, a week. Like, I have some friends that do that. I can't because my hair is too thin. But if you... Yeah, if you have really thick hair, you can kind of get away with it. I would just I live by the phrase what would jonathan van ness do yeah you know what i'm saying i feel like he's into the dry shampoo and i feel like you would know like when you get your like checkups or whatever that maddie please do i go to the doctor ever well okay 
So you're concerned about particulates, but you don't want to yeah. go to the doctor. <laughs> Maybe I that's think more of the I issue. just met you. I feel like that's a fearless <laughs> feedback moment, and I I'm sorry if it came on too strong, but I just want to point oh, I it love out. It. Right. From one coach to another, this I is a common theme. We've talked about Shay not going to the doctor and the dentist on many previous podcasts. Shay's episodes. teeth are beautiful. I know that's what I said. Listeners, you're missing out. I know. On well, both of these women. Smile on the uh, yeah, <laughs> just at the smile. Just. Creepy, creepy. I think you'll be fine. Okay, thank you. Great. My feelings are relieved. All right, uh, Maddie, what is your millennial yes. moment? Well, this is relevant to our guest. So um, I wanted to get both of your thoughts, actually. Um, but I was at a birthday gathering last night, and it was myself and, like, five other ladies. Oh, God. I have so many opinions. And I, it's going to happen. She knows whose birthday it was. So, and... Yeah. Um, I only knew, like, the birthday girl and then, like, one other person there. And then the other three people I didn't know at all. And we were talking about... I was the only one out of the group that's, like, in a relationship, I'll say. Like, one of the girls had been, like, seeing this guy for, like, four or five months. So, like, they're exclusive at this point. But I don't know if they're, like, calling each other boyfriend-girlfriend. One woman had gone on her first first date after, like, three years of dating, like, one guy two of the girls had like spreadsheets of like all the first dates they go on like very into that one of the girls was like I'm dating but I'm not on any of the websites and I'm just kind of going with the flow and it was just very interesting how different all the stories were like people meeting in real life versus online and one of the women told a story and it made me kind of sad and this is what I wanted to get your opinion to see if this is like a common thing that you see with your clients Mm -hmm. um or a common experience that you've had, but this woman, first of all, gorgeous. Like, makeup, hair, on it, great, beautiful. And she was, like, talking about this guy, and she was like, I'm really stuck on him, but he, like, won't text me back, like, blah, 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 the typical thing. And she, like, went into the whole story, and this is going to sound really shallow, but the she kept saying things, which I could tell she was projecting on what she didn't like about the guy, but she was also saying things that I was like, girl, you're way better than him. Like, he has adult braces. Okay, guy's in his 30s. Oh <laughs> Y'all, I Sorry. don't I don't see what's wrong with that. Continue. So no. there's, there's that. Just funny aside. Um, but the... There just kept being, like, little things. Like, he is in the Air Force, and he didn't tell her until, like, the third date that he was, like, gonna move to go to training for five months in Oklahoma and he didn't tell her that he has a kid until like three dates in and they had been texting I feel like this is important to the story too like before they met they had been texting for five weeks which I feel like is a really long time too long yeah um and he got locked out of his apartment and ended up spending like a whole day in her apartment after their like third time meeting or whatever and after that, she it was just, like, a series of things that she was like, I don't really like this guy. But then after they split ways, like, she was upset with him and his behavior. And, like, it was def- clearly not going to work. And he... But I think she wanted the closure and she wanted him to kind of... Like, she wanted to tell him off, but she ended up feeling rejected by the whole situation because he was the one that wasn't responding to her. Can I just add some auxiliary? See, Batty and I are so on the same page that I telepathically know exactly who she's talking about. Um, here's some more information on this story, though, Lily, is that this woman, after she went on one date with this guy, was already feeling really upset. Like, 
yeah like about about him their future together yeah. and i was like then like at I no mean, point was it like super why? positive but, but she's still upset how after one date like he like, spent the whole time like not... yeah well you were asking what she was kind of feeling badly about so like an example was like he was on his phone the whole time or like i'm trying to think of some of the other stuff like they both got really drunk out on one of the dates and she kind of like has a hazy memory about what happened like nothing really bad but like she didn't expressly like invite him back to her place but he ended up there anyways and she just kind of like dealt with it like stuff like that right not super great so some of the things that you've shared about this i'm like part of being human not a big deal like from i'm i'm always uncomfortable when anybody and this isn't like when anybody says that they're better than someone else yeah. like i think when i hear adult braces i think yeah maybe oh my god he's right trying fit. yeah like totally. I, I and even an... she talking about it like she wasn't super bothered by it it was more just like totally a funny aside and the and the, she also I have to say never mentioned the adult braces to me which is why i made a surprise yeah exclamation because we've been talking about this for six weeks and never once she did she mention it so anyway continue. this episode is brought to you by adult yeah. braces <laughs> yeah invisalign not invisalign and the, the other <laughs> thing too that i think goes along with it and this maybe is more telling than just having adult braces is that they weren't in any of his pictures so all of his pictures were a couple years old or he was smiling with no teeth so clearly he had some insecurities about it yeah. that he might have been projecting in other ways too i i want to bring up the consent and being tipsy issue because it's very akin to something that i just experienced at gilmore girls fan fest 2018 oh that's very exciting i love that um and i don't know if anybody in your audience or you guys are familiar of the jess incident at the party when they're i mean i've seen the show together to remind me it's been they're up in a room together senior year and they've been talking about having sex and i don't know if they've been drinking but he it's he's going through something really emotional he starts they start to make out really heavily and like it's a steamy moment and he tries to take off her belt and she says no and then he tries again and she says no and then she says what are you doing i don't want to do this right Mm -hmm. here right now and he's like geez and then he runs out of the room and it's this whole debate among gilmore girls community about like this consent issue consent why I bring that up? Yeah. It's like it's a fucking bear mm-hmm. of a of an of yeah, a topic. It's a gray area all around. So I totally. don't exactly know how to unpack that part of right. the story. Yeah, right now I guess the salient detail was that it made her feel weird about him. Right. So she sounds like she feels she feels a little bit like she's better than him, and he got the chance to reject her before right. she yeah. told him off. But yeah, I, I guess. I think the thing is, though, she is why do girls get so hung up on these guys that they go out with once and then or they twice? don't even like it's one thing if that you really they don't like even the guy. like that much. Yeah. yeah. Why can't they just let it go? And we've all been there. We've all yeah, been there. And we've all been there. And yeah. I think. Yeah. But why is it happening like with these women who are 30 something? You know, it's like. Right. I guess just what's your professional opinion on that? Absolutely. Well, I I deal with this all day, every day. Like, talking to women who feel so lonely in their dating lives. Women who feel so hopeless in their dating lives. And, like, they haven't seen what they want. So they literally don't feel possible. Right? And it's like, 
if you, um, it, it's trying to like find something to hang your hope hat on. Uh, and, and so I'm sorry, I just oh, kicked okay. that finding something to hang your hope hat on. And these men who may or may not be the best fit, they represent like they're empty containers for our, us to put all of our hopes for our dating life into. Right. And then it's hard to like kind of say, see ya. It's almost the concept of like, do you actually like the guy or you like the idea of having someone right. committed? The, the security mm-hmm. of, I do have someone committed now and it feels great to... Um, have that security, especially if you're in your 30s, especially if you want to have kids and you feel like that's not possible. Yeah. So, bless well, you. we all know, which I can fill Lily in later during yeah. her interview portion. In my personal dating life, the second I was like, well, I don't really give a shit about this person, I like met the person, you know? So, yeah. it's pretty funny. I want to hear the story. Maddie. Yeah, I gave her yes. a slight preview, but we'll go into oh, it more good. later. Good. Um, okay, so yeah, no, I think, I think that's good. And oh. I definitely feel to put like a, a bow on that particular convo, like, you know, that to your point, it's important to keep in mind that if it's not a great fit, it doesn't mean that the other person sucks or that they're terrible and they're undeserving of love. It's just figuring out what you want. And we even talked about that at the dinner amongst us girls. Like one of the girls was like, my whole philosophy lately is just getting to the no sooner. So, like, if you have a gut feeling, it's, like, forcing yourself to cut it off as opposed to being, like, well, now I'm going to be alone for another week until I have my next date set up. Like, that's really easy to just keep them around if they're not, like, you know, if someone's heinous, like, or they did something really egregious, obviously don't want to see them again. But if you're, like, ah, this person was okay, but I don't see a long-term potential, it's really easy to just be, like, let's go on another date. And sometimes that is nice to give people a second chance, but... I feel like a lot of women don't trust that intuition. That is a thousand percent true, I think. And also why I have a job, Mm -hmm. right? Because women have trouble trusting their intuition, trusting their gut, and knowing how to actually find what they're looking for in a man or how to redefine their preferences if what they're looking for isn't actually serving them. Right. Um, That's true. So, yeah. I love all of that. Um, do you have a millennial moment? I Lily? do. Well, <laughs> oh, I, yay. I, I was, love our prepared guests. I was trying to think of one and I thought, like, my first thought was, I'm a grandma because <laughs> I can't think of a millennial moment. I'm around like a lot of older women and like older mills, um, yeah. which is amazing and great. Um, and I was just... Because that's like most of your clientele or like your friend group or... Um, my a lot of my clientele um i do have women in their like 20s but mostly like late 20s mm-hmm. early mid late uh 30s so uh i was at the mama gina experience this past weekend what's that i haven't I heard of that one what that is. you have oh so many cool god. things that you do oh my god so i didn't know if this counted but i think a, i think a mill millennial thing is Connection, yes. like I think that yeah. millennial women really, winner, winner. really dig connection, deep, abiding, soulful connection. And one of the biggest problems, at least in New York City, I think around the country, is that we feel so lonely. Like mm-hmm. people are lonely at a higher rate than we've ever been. And how do you combat that? Yeah. So, um, one of my friends, Jillian uh, Richardson 
is the founder of The Joy List. And The Joy List is this amazing um, email that goes out every week that she curates. Mm-hmm. And it's like community. Definitely going to sign up. That's awesome. You need yeah, to. Send us the link to that and we'll uh, blast it out to everyone. Yes. And her mission in her organization is to, is to make people less lonely. And so she creates this email every week with these fabulous events that are all about community building. Anyway, my friend Jillian told me I should go to the Mama Gina experience. Okay, so I paid $65. I go to the Javits Center on Friday, mm-hmm. on Saturday morning at like 930 Man. in the morning. And I go in with like, it's immediately like you go in and there are these women in these pink shirts, like waving pink feathers in the air. And I'm like, I'm in for something yeah. <laughs> this weekend. And did you go into it knowing what it kind of was? Or? Ish. Ish. Okay. So Mama Gina is this woman who's been around for like 25 years and she teaches the art, like she has the the school for womenly arts. Okay. And so she's mm. all about women reclaiming their pleasure, reclaiming their bodies and turning on. And her whole, she just wrote the book, Pussy, A Reclamation. So. Oh. I, like I know. Fun. So I was in a room full of 3,000 women at the Javits Center talking about their pussies. And um, I'm sorry to any listener who's uncomfortable with that word. I I think there's an argument to be made for reclaiming it. But um, it was really interesting. I have a lot of positive and neutral and negative things to say about the experience. But the the act of being around um, these women of all ages, literally, and uh, like up to their 70s 80s 90s and down to like 20s 21 there were like some 18 year olds there um as a millennial woman being in that crowd and riding that wave of women just like going crazy together was truly insane so i don't know what to have to say about it for this podcast but that's awesome i feel like i love that we talked extensively last episode about you know it's a very different sort of like field but i think the salient thing was the same i went to the girl boss rally yeah and we had talked about that like the need for connection and we had talked about mary ellis bunn who started the museum of ice cream which i had kind of like seen on instagram whatever but she has a very similar sort of experience where she moved to a new city and she's i think even younger than i am but um she moved to a new city she didn't have any friends she was super lonely and she you know, cited some of the same statistical things, like we're lonelier than we've ever been. And she was like, all the great ways to meet people in most cities revolves around drinking. So if that's not something that you're really into, or you don't want to spend money on, like, how do you meet people? And it's these types of experiences. It's these big, like, conferences Mm -hmm. or this experience that you went to, or like, she started the Museum of Ice Cream, which I always thought was just a cynical, like, marketing ploy. Instagram trap. Yeah. But she said it was not. It's supposed to spark creativity. And like do something that's neutral like everyone likes ice cream and it's something that you can do without drinking with your whole family and stuff so yeah I mean I think it's really interesting um you know I think I want to make two comments the first is on this whole concept of loneliness and millennials really searching for connection there's this real disconnect so I'm currently Lily to give you a little bit of background I'm launching a networking group here in Portland and I'm really excited about it it's something I would eventually like to do in multiple cities so get ready ladies because you'll both be involved when I launch the New York City chapter <laughs> we'll subscribe but, to the newsletter <laughs> uh, subscribe subscribe free lifetime memberships um, but you know I was kind of workshopping some uh, business plan notes with a net 
with an online networking group of mine. And one of the requirements I'm having for this group is women have to either, they have to host one event a month. And that can be as simple as like, I'm going to be at the dog park at 4 p.m. on Thursday. Come meet me there. Um, so like it could be something be, that you're already kind of doing. Or it could be like, like I'm going day. to an event at you know, I'm going to the Mama Jean com- or rally or whatever, you know, it could be any of those things. Uh, so when I was workshopping it with these women, and this is women of a variety of ages, you know, some of the feedback I got was like, who has time to go to two events a month? And I'm like, this is a real interesting sticking point for me, because I'm like, on one hand, you're just reading constantly and you're talking constantly and hearing constantly about there's no connection, there's no connection, we can't get out, we can't meet people, we're not able to maintain or cultivate friendships past our early 20s. Um, But then when I'm like, okay, I'm going to handhold you to get out there and meet new people, suddenly we're too busy. So I I feel like it's one of those things where people kind of complain a lot. But then once it's like a worthwhile thing, like, yeah, I agree, because this like, I was in a sorority in college, and it was always like, which sorority? Kappa Kappa Gamma. Okay. Is that one of the acceptable ones? I was You're in Tri Delta for two years oh, and okay. did a hard out yeah. after two years. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you had that experience. Um, but one of the things, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is there's a lot of like mandatory events, and some of them are not worth your time. Like It's just you have to sit in a room and listen to someone talk, and it's not a real value add. Or... It's even like in some people's cases, like a negative experience, like they're telling you to drink and you're getting hazed and you're like, I'm at this mandatory event. Or I found mostly it's just like I'm at this chapter meeting and this is like a colossal just this could have been an email situation. So when you have that, but then on the flip side, there was a lot of things that I did both within the sorority and just in college generally. And since then, it's like if you have something interesting about it that's going to pull people in, they're not going to think about, oh, well, I already did my two things per month they're just going to want to go to the interesting event with interesting people Mm -hmm. you know so I think people might be a little critical up front but then once they see that it's worth their time and they've gone to a couple of them and they meet a friend and they're talking to cool people they're not even going to think about the fact that it's like quote-unquote mandatory to be part of the group yeah but I think there is I guess I'm just saying that there is a little bit of with anything like this with what your friend is doing what I hope to do it's about changing the attitude and getting people off the internet and out in real life. Um, And I just would say that event sounds awesome. Like you said, I'm sure there were mutual and negative things about it, but like going and celebrating your pussy with a bunch of old ladies, like, yes, I love it. It was truly. Yeah. One of the kind. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Would you do it again? No, no one and done. No, I, I had um, a really interesting experience I had two really negative experiences at the front of the day just mm. two women that said things that were like oh you don't know how to hold space yeah um women that were that were coming from their lens and coming through from their context um but who like it wasn't an emotionally safe space for me mm-hmm. and mm. I also I love what Mama Gina is doing I think you all should listen to her TED talk she's carried in by like a group of men <laughs> um and her whole thing is like you know, dance, like yeah, be sexy, like fun and celebratory. Yeah. yeah. Rock the cradle, which is like, do this like dance move where you're like shaking your hips and like check in. And like, yeah. there are so many mantras I could share that just would blow everyone's mind that she shares. But, yeah. 
Um, you know, I also am very uncomfortable with some of the highly personal things that people were sharing. I was raped. I was, Mm. um, assaulted by this person. I, I have never had an orgasm. I've never, um, been in, I've, everyone's rejected me. You know, all these things were shared and sort of reduced to a soundbite mm-hmm. in the group mm-hmm. of 3000 women. Right. Um, and there's also this like group think that's happening yeah. that becomes somewhat like a mob mentality when the day wasn't facilitated well, in my opinion. So, I mean, all Pros and cons all, all around. Yeah. I mean, what group of 3000 women getting together doesn't have things that right. someone could criticize. Totally. <laughs> like, of course. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure your experience was so, like, everyone has such unique experiences in that yeah. space. Like, so that's cool. Very interesting awesome. story. I love excellent, it. Excellent, excellent um, millennial moment. Shay, do you have a toasty campfire topic? I do. I mean, I uh, want to bring a book recommendation to uh, the group today. We so I discovered this British author on Instagram. I don't even remember how. I'm sure it was like a follow Friday or something because lately that's been how I'm finding a lot of things that interest me. Uh, But her name is Laura Jane Williams and her Instagram is excellent. It's at superlatively LJ uh, and her website is superlativelyrude.com. But she uh, is, is just a delightful person, but she used to work or she still works as a columnist for Grazia as their dating columnist. Uh, so that's why I thought it would be interesting to talk about her here. Uh, but I, on Audible, which I'm like just very new to the audiobook thing. So I'm, I'm like very excited about it. Uh, so I downloaded her book while in the UK, it's called Ice Cream for Breakfast, and here in the US, uh, it's titled Kidding, uh, Childlike Solutions uh, to Bullshit Adult Problems. Hmm. Uh, and it basically talks about how she was this very successful writer, and she just had her first book come out, and then she was feeling dead inside. So she went and for nine months uh, took a job as a nanny to three small children uh, while still – so she's like, my life was really weird because I'd go nanny all day, and then I'd have to go to, like, a opening book party for my, you know – the hardback of my book or, you know, all of this stuff. So, but she talks about all these lessons that she had learned uh, from the children. And it sounds like it would be a little like saccharine and maybe a little twee, but it's honestly, it's the first kind of like self-development book that has made me laugh out loud and <laughs> also feels like literally years of therapy just precisely and very cleverly condensed into this book. Um, So I really am enjoying it. Um, I would recommend it to everyone. And if you are into audiobooks, uh, she reads it herself and she has a really delightful uh, English accent, like not a posh English accent. Uh, I can't even speak English myself right now. (laughs) But like her accent is not posh. Like she sounds a little bit like a street urchin and I love it. So highly recommend Love it. That Love sounds that. great. So, oh, and basically the whole point of the book, which is the whole reason I wanted to talk about it, <laughs> is basically camp adulthood. Like, for example, here on the website, it says, or, you know, one of the rules that she talks about is you can pay your bills on time and still exclaim out loud when something is really fucking cool. Run a business and wear cat covered thermals under your suit. Um, and thermals. that's kind of what the whole book we is need about that. i know well i love it you know she's british it's very cold um, in New York. Or we like, all need that. 
Exactly. Or she says, you can own your own home and want to build a blanket fort on a bad day or on a good day too. So it's kind of like, again, that juxtaposition of the very adult moments with kind of the childlike behavior and, but that's okay. So anyway, there we go. I like that. I love that. It's all about giving people permission to do their desires. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of it. It's just, you know, the piece I was listening to today, it was like, really resonated with me because it's like how many times, and I think we see this a lot in dating, you know, women just don't verbalize or when we don't like something, but do you ever see a child do that? No. And like her example is like a kid has no problem. You put down their breakfast and the toast is cut into triangles instead of squares. They will very clearly say, I don't like triangles. You know, and they don't mean it. There's no value on it. There's no, it doesn't mean they don't like you or they hate you for cutting their, you know, toast into squares instead of triangles, but they don't like triangles. They're going to tell you and they're not going to eat it. Um, And that's okay. And I just, I I think it's really well done. So highly recommend. That sounds delightful. I love that. Yeah. Um, My toasty campfire topic is from this magazine, which I have a hard copy of. I don't know if anyone's seen it yet, but it's the the titular article from this Atlantic um, magazine, which this is the same magazine last week I was talking about exorcism and how exorcisms uh, are on the rise. I want to read that. I want to read that article. So yeah, it was very interesting. Very weird. Um, but this article is called The Sex Recession, Why Young People Are Retreating from Intimacy and What This Means for mm. Society. So I thought this would be interesting for this group, not only as a group of women, but given your expertise with dating. And, you know, we've talked a little bit so far about, um, you know, actually going on dates and things like that, but the interplay of sex and how that plays into people's dating lives. And this article was talking a lot about, um, you know, statistical evidence that millennials and people younger are having sex later if at all, they're having less amounts of sex even when they start. Um, And there were some, what I would consider good and bad things for reasons why. It wasn't like any one thing, but they threw out some, some things. One that I thought was a positive was, you know, women younger are standing up for themselves. So in past generations, some of the sex that they may have was bad sex that shouldn't have been happening. And, you know, relating to the consent topic or, you know, women that are waiting later and actually vocalizing more like what they want leading to better sex they're only having what they want to have um there were other some not so great things like the rise of depression and anxiety leading into that and some of the medications people are taking and things of that nature um and then they talked a lot about the online dating aspect and kind of the gamification of online dating um but I just thought it was very interesting all around so I just wanted to get kind of your thoughts generally on the state of sex with millennials and dating and that's a broad topic (laughs) so what in the article made you feel like oh my god like what what made you kind of sit up um i thought most of it like Corey is screaming outside so he's gonna get a talking to after this oh is that Corey? yeah i think so i hope it is him i thought it was out there oh god either way not great don't Um, be murdered girls oh god um, no, I thought a lot of it was, there was a part in the article when they were talking about, um, you know, meeting people in real life and there's kind of, you know, 
again, I always go back to this, like, what people say is not necessarily what they mean or how they act. So a lot of people were like, oh, I would, I would so much rather like to meet someone in real life than online, for example. Um, but then they talk to people about the same group, like, okay, well, when you go out, what kind of things do you do? Do you go to bars to pick up men? No. If a man approached you, what would be your initial response? And then they actually put people in the scenario to watch them do it. And women are like, oh, it would be so romantic if someone approached me at a bar and we met and we kind of had that meet cute, but then they put them in kind of those meet cute situations. And a lot of women rebuffed the guy that was trying to do that. So it's kind of like, oh, do we want to have our cake and eat it too? So that's what I thought was interesting that, you know, on one hand, people are being more vocal and are like, oh, this is what I want. But then when it's kind of given to them, they're like, Mm. not really grasping it. Mm. Um, And then just a lot of the societal things of like, people waiting until later. And is that because, you know, kids also, this was one thing that I thought was really interesting, that high school kids have a lot less like just free unstructured time and you know most people of an older generation would lose their virginity in high school and now kids like and I see this even with myself when I was in high school it's like you're scheduled after school activities you're always supervised by a parent like how much time is a kid alone with another kid in a space where there's no adults around where they could actually have sex not a lot like I know Shay you know interacts with some high school children and (laughs) in her family it's like yeah when are they ever alone long enough to have kind of that like bumbling first encounter moment not a lot you know well and I think what's also interesting about that is so many of these Gen Z kids are also tracked by their parents on their phones so if they say like hey we're going to uh, the diner for a milkshake, uh, and then mom like <laughs> checks quaint. in on their location. Yeah, and they're actually, you know, over at uh, their friend Timmy's house, boning in Timmy. Timmy's bed because it's mom always Timmy. Works late. <laughs> you know, t- Timmy. That Timmy is a character. Uh, you know, because this has happened to. Uh, my young relative where the parent of the girlfriend like called his mom and was like, well, they're supposed to be here, but they're actually here. And it was like, I think in this particular situation, uh, my cousin was like, well, so they are are at a different public place than the public place (laughs) they're supposed to be at. Like, it's not a big deal, but you know, they're being tracked a lot more closely. So even if they do think they can get away with it, it's, you know, pretty difficult. I just want to say I lost my virginity pretty late in like late-ish. I was 24. I and like that's that late. I thought it was late. It it's fine if it isn't late, but yeah. you know, cheers. But I yeah. kind of if if you trust your kid, I hope that one day when I have kids, I trust them enough not to track them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that, that might be a naive thing to say as somebody who doesn't have kids, who's not close to having kids, but, um, you know, and, and I don't, I know a lot of people who had their first sexual encounter at 16 and it, it was positive, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there are, when you're having sex, there's always a chance that it's not going to be a good Mm -hmm. time, um, for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, it could be a really bad, like violent time, or it could be just like, it didn't just mediocre. Kind yeah. Of mediocre. Or it could be fine or good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I want kids to explore their sexuality when they feel ready to, and if they're not mm-hmm. pressured. 
So I, I, I think it's really interesting that this article is talking. It doesn't sound like it's painting it in a positive or negative light that kids are. Yeah, it was kind of neutrally presented. It was just like, well, it would stand to reason because there's a lot less unstructured time. Like the average age of losing virginity has gone up and up. Yeah. And it could be because of, you know, education. Like kids know like, hey, I should wait until I'm responsible. Like understanding what it means to have a kid. Like, you know, you think about like the hippie boomers, like maybe didn't realize when they were 16, like, oh shit, you know, this is what ends up happening if you don't do it responsibly. Right. So like part of it is education, but part of it was they were like, well, the kids that they had talked to and interviewed in the article, they were like, I don't have free time, like maybe at band camp or something, Mm. you know, like away from my parents. But like, you know, on the day to day, I'm not just coming home after school and then sitting around and like freely going around the neighborhood, like hanging out with other kids, which might have been happening like in the 70s and 80s a little bit more. Yeah. Maddie, was your reference to band camp because of my cousin or because of no. the classic American pie I stuck so, in my pussy? It, it was that, but it was also like a kid in the article mentioned that because that was like the oh. only time when he was like around his other like schoolmates, like yeah. without like in a hotel, like you can have sex in a hotel room yeah. without parents around. Like one other opportunity when you're 15, 16, do you have that? I knew some kids who had sex in the back of a charter bus yeah, on a band kids trip. Get creative. Oh. Not and that's kidding. where I had my first like n- like snuggling experience with a man oh, on a on a band oh, bus. Yeah. A lot of fingering happening the back. on those oh, band A lot of fingering oh, happening. A lot on of a band dry bus. hand jobs. Oh, my face. Gross. <laughs> gross. This podcast. I it's love taking it. a turn. I love it. Well, to the point of women, um, you know, being faced with something that they say they want, and then being scared to take advantage of it for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I think that a fear culture is very prevalent right now Mm -hmm. in dating. Do you think, like, fear of rejection or fear of looking, like, silly or embarrassing Fear of feeling stupid, fear Mm -hmm. of being rejected, fear of, you know, um, being embarrassed in, in a public place. I had somebody tell me yesterday, I think a potential client, like, told me yesterday, like, people don't meet in a line at sweet green anymore. Like we're all on our phones and like nobody would ever talk to me. And I asked her, like, how would your life change if you had the courage to interrupt somebody's phone time in that line when you're standing there for 10 minutes and say like, Hey, I love your watch. It goes both ways. Like Mm -hmm. it goes both ways. Like both people kind of, or one person needs to be willing to open the space for an intera- flirty interaction, whatever that means. Friend flirty, romantic flirty, sexy flirty. Like, you know, somebody has to be willing to make the first move. And I think that men, just as much as women, are sucked into their phones. And it's a comfort place. It's mm-hmm. a comfort blanket. I think that article mentions, like, literally yeah. people stuck on their couches. Yeah. Swiping because they're uh, – so it's so comfortable. It's like people being asked to go to your event, right? Like, when it mm-hmm. – when the rubber meets the road and it's like, I've got to take off yeah. my pajama pants. Like, yeah. Am Why I going to, would I do that? Yeah. Um, but I, I also think it, it ties into women specifically tuning into their intuition, uh, and having the, um, the knowledge of themselves enough to know what they're looking for online and IRL mm-hmm. so that they, when they see it, they can, they seize, can, the opportunity. They can seize the opportunity. And that takes, internal reflective work which is why i have a job yeah um and uh it's hard work it's not easy to examine yourself and to get to know that part of yourself and to claim it and then totally do something about it right yeah i love that 
I think that's great. Before we jump into the interview, oh, did you have something else? No, I was just going to say exactly what you're saying. We're so Does Lily have a uh, campfire topic for us, or shall we jump into the interview? Is campfire topic the new like the news thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You can like cut that out. Event. We had y'all. Yeah, we had thought it's like you're sitting around a toasty campfire, jibber jabbering with your friends about life and things that you've read and yes. news things. And stuff. My my adulty one is that I'm reading Brene Brown's Dare to Lead right oh, now. Mm. How is it? Ugh, I recommend it so highly. It's a synthesis of all of her work thus far, basically. So mm-hmm. she quotes herself, which I think is super yeah. badass. I love um, that. And she's like, this is my research from six years ago. It holds up or it doesn't. Here's why. And I've added this, you know, so it's all about how to be a daring leader who knows how to rise, knows how to rumble with vulnerability, knows how to um, receive feedback and give feedback. How do you do that in a way that uh, that stands true to your core values? And how do you know what your core values are? Super interesting read. Highly recommend. I'm shook by Ariana Grande's Thank You Next video. It's so good. Have you watched it, Shay? I have not. I'm old. Oh. You would. Do you like the movie Mean Girls? I do like. Well, I also do. You like Clueless? A great. Um, Legally Blonde. Oh, yes. Legally Blonde. Do you yeah. like 13 going on 30? Eh, it's okay. Uh, it wasn't one of my faves. Oh, uh, Jennifer Garner, my yes. queen. If, Jennifer Garner, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, God. I would be <laughs> Please. so jazzed. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought it was great. And I don't normally, like, follow music videos and stuff. But I was like, have to watch. So good. It's, it's right, a very fun, like, boppy song, too. And it's You're millennial like, do, 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 do. women's obsessions in a yeah. five-minute, four-minute video. And she recreates Ooh. some of the scenes from these iconic, you know, movies yeah. with the actors that were in them. And they all have oh, not aged fun. at all. Aaron no. Samuels. Mm. Aaron Samuels How much Botox, not aged. Like, I don't understand. I'm he like, he looks the same. The same. They all look the wow. same. Like, well, the, the woman, I'm going to forget all their names, but the woman at the nail salon at Legally Blonde, mm-hmm. she looks the same. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The guy that played Aaron Samuels looks the same. I was yeah. like, I don't oh. know if there are any other actors. But yeah. anyway, I, I'm I'm fully on board for the Ariana Grande train. And if she's listening, I'd love to date coach you, girl. Yeah. What it, to... what uh, high level advice would you give Ariana Grande, Grande about her dating life? I think that she summed it up best in Thank You Next yeah. when she was like, I'm getting to know Ari. We're having yeah. better discussions. Um, you know, they say I move on too fast, but this shit's going to last. You know, I've listened to it so many yeah. times. <laughs> um, getting to know yourself, yeah. taking time for yourself. Absolutely true. I think, um, girl, take some time in a Malibu resort because you can afford yeah. it or a Malibu like rental and bring a therapist along with you. And just because she has the money, this that. is my high level advice for yeah. somebody who has a shit ton of money. Yeah. Bring a therapist, bring a masseuse, bring an acupuncturist, like maybe mm-hmm. a dating coach named Lily Womble, <laughs> and we'll get you straightened out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, let's do some self-care. And let's do literally. some reflective exercises. Let's do some role play. Like, oh. let's get in there and I love it. help you feel better about yourself and where I you're going this. in your emotional life. This is yeah, my goal. I like that. Um, amazing. So let's dive into the interview. I love what you do and i wish Ditto. obviously i'm in a long-term loving committed relationship right now but i wish younger maddie 
had met Lily Womble because I feel like there would have yeah. been many less tears. Shay lived with me when I was Agreed. dating, <gasps> and it was there was some some good times, some bad times. There, yeah, there were times. That's true. Yeah, yeah. what would have times of all sorts? What would young Maddie like need from a dating coach? Like, what do you think she would <sighs> well, ask for if she was sitting in this room? Role play. Yeah, <laughs> no, I. I'm not trying to cop out with this answer, but it's more of a question like, do you find with your younger clients that some of the stuff you're like, you'll grow out of this, or this Mm. is like, just part of like, exploring around and being like a party animal? Or do you think it's better to kind of move on from that and be more introspective, work with a coach from the beginning? Oh, I think it's all a process. And sometimes it's it's sort of like Shark Tank. Do you guys watch Shark Tank? Yeah. It's sort mm-hmm, of like, yeah. I don't know if this investment is right for your early stage <laughs> Yeah, product. come back to me. Come, come back, back to me yeah. in three years when well, you've like kind of done some. Yeah, seed rounds. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Shay? Well, I was just going to say as the mature person who was there witnessing Maddie's college dating life, um, I think you did it exactly right. Like you <laughs> went out, you got shit-faced you brought home some inappropriate dudes particularly the horrible trash human oh yeah um yeah i'll tell that story but quickly you never you know your opinion on it. what i loved about maddie is that you never like got too hung up on anybody yeah i guess that's you wh- know who oh sorry no so, that, i guess that's I kind of saying- why i didn't like i feel like i i wouldn't have maybe needed it at that point mm-hmm. although mm-hmm. it might have made it a little bit smoother because i didn't have a lot of regrets like I felt good about what I was doing which I feel like is always the goal right this type of thing um but what kind of going back to the beginning so you said you were a matchmaker what was different about the matchmaking experience versus being a dating coach because I feel like a lot of people listening might not even know what a dating coach is Mm -hmm. so do people confuse you for a matchmaker they come to you and they're like find me a boyfriend today I want to see the Rolodex like what's kind of been your experience transitioning from being kind of a temporary matchmaker to now your full-time career. Yeah, thank you for asking. I it's really interesting because when people hear matchmaker, they tend to be more interested than when I say I'm a dating coach. Uh, mm-hmm, and I think a that's bit faster results maybe. I think that's part of it, right? That people don't want to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes Uh, yes I think it's difficult to do the work as I mentioned before as I I think we've all done work therapy is Mm -hmm. hard like any sort of coaching is hard um, to to go through because someone is asking you to be accountable to what you say and someone's asking you to dive deep into some things that you may not be proud of that you might feel shame about so matchmaking I would characterize it as sort of a silver platter solution Women who come to a matchmaker generally feel at the end of their rope. They generally feel like, I have done everything that I know how to do, and for some reason, I'm just not good at it. And so now my solution is I'm going to pay someone else thousands of dollars who knows how to do it better than I do to pick people for me because maybe they know something that I don't know about myself in the one-hour conversation I have with <laughs> they have with me. And, you know, I I became one of the most successful matchmakers at this national firm that I worked at. Can um, we ask what firm it is? Yeah, it's Talkify. Okay. T-A-W-K-I-F-Y. Yeah. Okay, that is not what I thought that was. What did you anyway, think it was? Go on. I think I thought it was like a therapy, like Talkspace. 
but it's not. It's, it's Talkify. So they started know. They started as like 10-minute conversations on the phone to see if you wanted to go on a first date. That's how, oh, that's why I talkify. But it's a, it's a great company and a great solution for women that like don't have time to find matches. Really, mm-hmm. they're like the COO of Deutsche Bank and they really don't have one of my yeah. clients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, not right, not currently. Right. Yeah. But, you know. Um, or they, they just want to get an outside perspective, right? Um, I realized doing matchmaking and I'm a natural coach, and I was also learning from women who worked at the company who were professional coaches outside of it, and I was, like, learning from them, gleaning lessons, and through some really hard situations where I had to deliver some really hard news to women who were my clients, I learned how to be a coach. And mm-hmm. um, in learning how to be a coach, I started to also realize that the model of matchmaking, God bless its soul... God, you know, I'm from Alabama, so mm-hmm. bless its heart. Yeah. The essence of matchmaking is like, I can take this from you and be better at it, which I think ultimately is a disempowering mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. And I thought I the, that. the more empowering idea and what actually I saw to be the truth is that when I would help coach these women and give them the tools that I'd learned in my years as a matchmaker they could match themselves like so much better and they could find matches on their own with less resistance. And then they'll feel better doing it in the end. And they they feel like they did themselves. And they also were more likely to go approach a guy on the subway, whether or not it worked out. They were more likely to interrupt the guy in the sweet green line. Yeah. They were more open to life. They knew what they want and they were more willing to go out and get it. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a dating coach. I'm going to teach women how to, how to have the dating life that they deserve and actually find and go on more fulfilling dates through shocker dating apps. So, you know, that's and and a secret of matchmaking is that we find dates for our clients on dating apps. Oh, interesting. Secret wow. secrets. Secret secrets. So when you wanted to start this business, how did you start it? I'm sure that was scary, like not having a salary anymore and well, so going I, for it on your own. I have supplemented it by matchmaking, right? So, I mean, it's impossible to start a business cold unless you have a lot of money, which mm-hmm. I um, I didn't come from a wealthy situation. Um, and I live in New York City, so it's really expensive. And so I, I, I match made and I still match make part time. Um so that's how I continued to support myself. Um, and starting Brazen, Date Brazen, um, was, was scary and was really vulnerable as any. I mean, Shay, you're a small, you're a, a business coach as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know you know. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, it's funny. Just to underscore what you're saying is that is a really terrifying moment when you like really pull the rug out from underneath yourself and commit wholeheartedly to your business. That's, I mean, I really applaud you for that. Um, and I can't wait to see what you do next. I'm trying not to go into all my business coach questions because, <laughs> um, I don't know if that would be as interesting to our listeners as it would be to me, but, um, yeah, I love hearing your story of how you started the business, but what I'm kind of more interested in is what, how do you, what do you see happening to this business in five, 10, 15 years? Totally. So I, um, I want to scale what I know 
And as I'm learning yeah. more with Bra- with Brazen clients, and they're fabulous, amazing women who um, I love each and every one of them so much. Um, I want to teach people, men and women, how to date more intentionally and swipe more intentionally at scale. Yeah, don't just swipe right on everyone. Right. So I, I literally think all dating apps that are worth their salt should have an education program associated with them. And yeah. I think that, I love that. Uh, yeah, and, and through my date brazen work, I would love to collect data on, um, on what's working and what's not in terms of intention setting. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to equate the reflective soft science work with the hard numbers, I think Mm -hmm. sometimes, but I know a guy named DJ Lick who could maybe give me some recommendations. (laughs) Very helpful is that DJ. Very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I love talking to him about this subject. Um, he was a a podcast guest yeah um right uh, and he works at the facebook yeah. so who's getting mm-hmm. into the dating space at some point mm-hmm. do we oh, do gosh. y'all know this no. no yeah they have no, a whole lab of like the dating oh, the God. facebook dating lab that's like creating a product honestly i feel like i'm i'm almost fine with that and i guess this is this is a question for you like because a lot of dating apps they do link to your facebook and that was mm-hmm. the whole concept of hinge at the beginning was it mm-hmm. was like friends of friends on mm-hmm. facebook like do you find with the online dating that it's more successful for people that have kind of those loose connections mm-hmm. or is it there's no correlation between someone that's meeting and they don't have any connection i don't know the i don't know the answer uh, to that i do know that people use dating apps because they are kind of tapped out in their social circle right yeah, they want true. a fast efficient easy way to meet someone outside of their social circle because their friend like usually their friends have introduced them to everybody yeah. that they know <laughs> and yeah. so i mean there might be something to a friend of friend situation you know who knows if we fully tapped into the social network which is kind of scary yeah. the singularity <laughs> and the like whatever yeah. um who knows right but i think that getting out of your social network is a huge draw for people well, I think, you know, this was always kind of my joke when I lived in New York City and I was single is that, you know, I love being set up. I will go on a first date, you know, with pretty much anybody. And I would ask, you know, my married friends and other friends about him, like, okay, come on, like, you got to know. Don't you know somebody? Somebody, you know, and these are women who are married and like your husband, isn't there somebody at work? And I would literally, people would come back and be like, I don't know a single, single straight man in New York City. <laughs> and I was like, this is, I mean, and why living is particularly in that environment, I felt pushed to go online, although I'm a very bad online dater. We could change that together. You're not bad, though. You're very successful. You have 100% success rate. On I do have 100% <laughs> success rate right why now. Why is that? So yeah. Is that? Do you want to tell the story? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> My boyfriend, David, uh, we've been together for about a year now. And when I first moved to Oregon, my friend and mentor from back in New York was like, okay, you know, well, she's the one who's always like, you know, you have a bad attitude and you need to be better about dating. And I was like, you're right. I have a bad attitude and I'm not going to change it. (laughs) Um, But I moved out here and she's like, you know what, just get on the apps and, you know, you'll meet some people and it'll just be about meeting people and like going to new places in a new city. And I was like, okay, fine. So I got on Bumble and it's all great, but all of that is um, location based. And at the time I was staying with my cousin who's out in the suburbs. So it was like pulling up guys from like 
farms and I was like yeah no like this is not what I want um so I was on it for two days I had already started talking to my now boyfriend um who lives in the suburbs by the way who lives in the suburbs and I was just like basically my attitude was like I got off the apps but I'd already started texting with him so I was like I know this isn't gonna work out so I'll just let it run its natural course and then a year later here we are (laughs) so I had a very very bad attitude but I think it was like the attitude I had when that happened it wasn't so much like I didn't have that chip on my shoulder that I kind of went in to dating online in New York Mm. um it was more of just kind of this like you know, for lack of a better term, I like gave it up to God. I just was like, all right, like, you know, I'm not going to be actively thwarting this and, you know, and then it, it worked out. So it might have um, also been an example too, like hearing you tell that story of like the location based thing, you were like looking to move into the city and you wanted more of like a city person, but now it's like, we've talked about this, like you're happy kind of on the more like farm suburban situation. Mm -hmm. So, like, even what you said you wanted at that time wasn't really what you wanted long-term, too. And this speaks speaks to something that I do all day, every day, which is is talk to women about their their preferences and what they really want in a man or a woman, in a person. Um, And I call it the checklist trap, where we Mm -hmm. have this very... We may not be aware of it. dark and handsome. Right. We have a a rigidly held um, list of things that that we may or may not ever express to anybody. Mm -hmm. Like, we may have picked up when we were 12 from our mom this, like, thing that we're now bringing into our dating life now. And we're, we're saying, like, I need this. Like, let's say it's, I need someone who has an Ivy League degree. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, these rigid preferences sometimes don't serve us. A lot of times they don't. And so um, working with women to develop more essence based preferences, what is it about that person across the table that would really make you come alive? Right. Mm -hmm. Odds are those qualities aren't in a checklist. Yeah. They're they're um, more fluid and a little more interpretive. Yeah. Or like I've seen this, too, like you're saying, like women that say I want someone with an Ivy League degree it's like well do you want that because they're highly educated or they come from a family with money like things that people might be uncomfortable expressing to anyone like maybe you do want someone who's really financially stable and that's why and it really doesn't have anything to do about the education Mm -hmm. um so I think that's really interesting like getting to the the heart of the matter right it's like the why beneath the why yeah like why do you want that okay well then why is that you Mm -hmm. know getting super down deep into the roots of yeah where you developed your preferences and why they matter to you so the mechanics of what you do with clients so you do kind of this introspective work Mm -hmm. with the client and then do you just kind of release them into the wild and they talk with you through the process or what, like if someone was looking to be a client of yours, kind of what is the process or does it depend so much person to person? Yeah. So every brazen package is super personalized depending on where you are. Um, I generally work with millennial plus a little bit women. Um, up to millennial like, plus. I love that. Millennial plus. Um, yeah. And they come to me saying like, I feel really dissatisfied in my dating life because of X, right? They could have just had a breakup. They could have, they might have been dating on apps for years and have had no success, right? They're coming looking for something 
substantial. And so when they, when we work together, we do a whole landscape. What we, I like gather the whole landscape of their dating history, of their family history, of, you know, their life at that point of their friendships, their relationships, really digging into like reading between the lines of what you're saying to get to Mm -hmm. what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And then in that conversation, obviously dating roadblocks come up. I hear a lot of your resistance to, um, certain aspects of the dating world and we work on those roadblocks and we come up with a strategy to, um, to kind of release you from that, you know, particular roadblock. I'm thinking of, um, you know, a client who felt like literally got nauseous when she pulled up a dating app and, and, and it's just, I mean, unpacking the rejection of years, (laughs) Um, and unpacking the stories that you've started believing about yourself because of that rejection, yeah. um, that's really hard work and it takes a lot of courage. And I am so honored that my clients trust me to hold that space for them. Um, and I also want to say, I encourage all of my clients to go to a therapist in addition to seeing me, yeah. um, because there are certain things that I am not equipped to handle, um, professionally. Yeah. And, uh, and I love women that you know, are seeing, I'm a great supplementary help yeah. to someone who's seeing therapy. You could have a business coach like Shay and a dating coach yes. and a therapist well, to I round also, out your life. It's well, also like, yeah, go ahead, Shay. No, I just say I'm laughing because it, 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 you, we tend to, I think as millennials and in modern times, we want to compartmentalize our life so much. Totally. And I love that in your work, because I do the same thing, you know, someone comes in to see me and they're like, okay, so we're going to talk about my business. And I'm like, yeah, but what's going on at home? Yeah. And the number of people have been like, just find a therapist. You know, it's like, so we have to look in all areas of our life and kind of look at our life more holistically. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really, um, really interesting. And I'm glad you're doing that work. You know, dating is a microcosm of every single thing that you've experienced in your life, right? Like you want to be triggered, try to date. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and similar to running a business, right? You want to be triggered, like start a business, try to make money, yeah. see what blocks you have yeah. against yeah. that. Um, and I think about, Amen, sister. I think about, um, like if you wanted to get fit, right. And you're like, just on a Wednesday, you're like laying on your couch and you're like, I think I want to go to the gym. Right. And you go to the gym and you're by yourself and you don't have anybody supervising you. And you're like, I've seen people use these heavy weights. I can do it. Let me pick up these heavy weights and do some lunges. And you throw out your back yeah. or you like throw out a muscle and you're injured. Right. The difference, that's the difference between sort of going into the minefield of dating like you always have versus seeing a, a coach, finding a class that makes your body feel good, where you're being taught how to use these tools, you know, um, learning what your body and your heart actually wants to do versus what you've seen done. Um, and allowing a professional to give you the permission to be yourself and to take the space that you need to um, live into a more authentic, fulfilling life, whether that be dating or business or, you know, anything. Yeah. I love that. Well, and that permission is so important. So, um, cause I feel like we have to ask this kind of sound bitey question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay, okay. Uh, what is the number one dating mistake that you see women make? And what is the, on the flip side, what is the one thing easy well doesn't have to be easy because I think exactly what we're saying here is that these things aren't easy but what is the one thing that women can do 
right away to make themselves feel better about their dating lives. Yeah. And I don't think people are going to like my answer. Great. That's okay. Even better. So we love we controversy. controversy. <laughs> Brene Brown. Um, Brene Brown talks about vulnerability and the courage that it takes to be vulnerable and how fucking uncomfortable it is to be vulnerable and how in the face of that vulnerability, we numb, right? We, we numb through uh, uh, watching The Office about 50 jillion times like I do. Um, we numb by eat- eating like three pints of ice cream, which I've definitely done. We numb with drugs, sex, whatever. And I would say that the number one thing that women are doing wrong in their dating life is that they're swiping to numb. I think that... Oh, good. I think that we are using these dating apps because scientifically when we look at a face that's smiling you know, particularly we endorphin, like serotonin releases in our body. We like looking at people's faces and we get a rush when we, that these apps are designed like games where we get a rush when we make a match, we feel good about ourselves, but in the process we are numbing what's actually going on in that moment. I see women so often like they'd pull up a dating app when they have, when, when they feel bored Mm -hmm. and this, this, and, and then they say, I don't have a fulfilling dating life. Well, you're swiping to numb. You're not necessarily swiping to have a fulfilling dating life. And it's sort of counterintuitive in that way. It's like, I'm using these apps. Like, what am I doing wrong? Well, you're not conscious of the time that you're using on these resources. And, and to that, a client or a potential client might say to me, but like, he's not intentionally swiping. <laughs> Why should I? Why should I do this internal reflective work to get better at my swiping? And to that, I say, like, you wouldn't be able to control him if you weren't, if you were dating without an app. Like, you, all you have is how you use your time. And it can be the most powerful, transformational thing in the world to use your heart time like it actually matters. Like, treat your heart time on these dating apps like you fucking matter and you fucking deserve love, you know? And I think right now people aren't using those dating apps, those resources, like they matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that the tool or the tip that you can employ right now is to just, it sounds really simple, check in with yourself when you open a dating app. Like, look at your phone right now if you're dating and see how many dating apps you have downloaded. If you have more than one or two dating apps downloaded, then there could be something wrong. I think that checking in with which resource actually feels good to your heart, feels good to your time, feels good to your body, like only one or two are going to win out. So delete the rest, right? They're a waste of your time. And use them really intentionally for a day like every time you open it like check in what am i why am i opening this app what am i hoping will come out of this experience for the next 20 minutes um that's my that's my tip i don't know if it's simple but it's what i got i think that's awesome i have one last question too and this might sound really weird but i'm intrigued by it and i've talked to people that are in similar fields like the boundaries because people are so open with you like with clients that have maybe gotten married like would you be open to going to their wedding like how do you kind of like you're hearing people's stories which some of them I'm sure are great but some of them I'm sure are really sad like how do you kind of balance your time and have boundaries like with your clients 
Thanks for asking that question. I struggle with that because um, I'm talking to women all day, every day, and I feel so much for them. Like, obviously, I, I don't feel exactly what they're feeling, but, you know, I'll give an example. Like, my parents got a divorce two years ago, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they'd been married for almost 30 years. And I was um, matchmaking at the time, and most of my clients were my mom's and dad's ages. So they were, like, in their 50s, early 60s. And I started to realize that I was becoming depressed. And I I thought, this is my job. Like, I can't can't just shut off this depression, but I also need to, like, do this job. How am I going to do this? And so setting boundaries became a necessity for my mental health. And while I, I wished all of those clients really well, I had to leave them, um, and, and hand them off to someone else who was more, more qualified at that moment to, (laughs) to help them. Um, and that has really stuck with me, right? Like, um, any helping professional, I'm sure Shay, you have thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, you have to be constantly vigilant about, like who you're talking to, how long you're talking to them, um, and um, you know, setting time away from your from your work mm-hmm. to have your own life because yeah. I think it's really easy to get caught up in other people's stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, and I I would go to a wedding totally. It depends on my relationship with that client. I'm happy for people that have gotten yeah. in relationship, um, but I sort of bless and release. That's yeah. my motto. Um, bless you know, I like that. <laughs> So good. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, and I think this is the advantage, though, of course, of being a coach rather than being a therapist or a counselor because you're able to have relationships with people through your work that can be many different things. You know, Um, you don't have to always bless and release. You know, if you find someone that you really resonate with, when you finish your time with them, you can say, hey, like, let's be friends or, you know, I want to network with you professionally. And that's really awesome place to be. Totally, totally agree. And I, I also love a coach who like, I'm actively trying to put myself out of a job, every single client (laughs) that I get. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if that's a smart business model, but I, I don't think you'll have plenty of new people (laughs) going through the rotation. I don't want people people to think, I don't want people to think that they can't date without me. Or that they yeah. can't have a successful, loving relationship without me. Like, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do. I want women to feel like after working together, they have every single thing they need to have the love life that they desire and deserve. Um, and so, you know, that's part of the reason that I sort of sometimes cut the cord. Because um, I, I, I do believe that once we work together, like, if if you have the tools that we've foundation that we've set upon to help mm-hmm. you cultivate, then, yeah. then it's time for you to go out on your own. You can do it. You yeah. can do it. You know, be free, be free. You and can- that's, yeah. Yeah. And that's a very wonderful and specific business model. And I think that's awesome. You know, that, I don't know. I, when I looked at your website as a professional, I was like, Oh, she's doing it right. A plus, a plus job, Lily. So that's really sweet. Yeah. Well, on that note, Um, shall we transition if you, unless you have more questions, Shay, to the archery range? No, I think that was awesome. And I know our, sometimes our listeners nod off after an hour and a half. So (laughs) 
gotta yeah. let's talk snappy. for three more hours yeah. i know because i totally like, i like i <laughs> do have more questions but i think we can move into the yes. uh uh archery range yes uh in the archery range here we will ask you a series of rapid fire questions uh please answer quickly and off the top of your head <laughs> and if we say something like what's your who's your favorite spice girl um, it doesn't have to be your ultimate favorite. It can just be a top favorite. I love so. a rapid fire. Yeah. Great. Okay, good. Shay, will you like to begin? I do. Favorite book? Um, uh, Braving the Wilderness by Brené Brown. Favorite television show? Gilmore Girls, Every Day of the Week. Favorite childhood snack? Gushers. Ooh. <laughs> sorry, I have strong, strong feelings about Gushers and Spongebob. Uh, go on, Maddie. Sorry. Um, favorite movie? Um, uh, the Sound of Music. Mm, me too. Uh, favorite place in New York City? Um, uh, Washington Square Park. Mm. Just because you're in the field of dating, favorite romantic comedy? When or... Harry Met Sally. Oh, love it. You already had the answer before I even finished the question. <laughs> Uh, favorite place you've traveled that is not a place that you've lived? Cameroon in West Africa. Oh, oh I want to hear that story. Um, favorite dating app? And you can caveat it. Bumble, I guess. We are not sponsored They're also by different. Bumble. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, uh, favorite flower that you would like to receive on a first date? Or second date. Or oh, yeah, do date. people do that? Sorry. A hyacinth. I'm going off the, oh, the script here. That's a good one. Do people yeah. do people still give flowers and do they like receiving them or is that passe? The only I think the, the caveat is like you have to be into the person for it to be cute. If yeah. you're really not yeah. into the person, then it can be creepy. But yeah. it's just a toss up. I had a guy bring a flower and the date was the worst. Like I literally was threatened suit for this date on the matchmaking platform which is another story for a different time but anyway yeah oh my god i thought you were saying this was a personal date that you went on and i was like oh that sounds horrible no the guy was gonna sue you no 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 no. (laughs) oh my god well that's awesome i have so enjoyed this interview it's been so playful um where can people find you and what do you want to plug i'm sure lots of people will be interested yeah so i am at datebrazen.com and uh at date brazen on instagram i have a swipe with intention workshop that'll be pretty rosé soaked on tuesday uh-huh. december 11th at 6 30 p.m and you can find out information on my instagram in my bio um, and also on the website um, and it should be a pretty raucous time of uh, setting some intentions and goals for 2019 so you can be more like beyonce in your dating life Ooh. I love it. I love it. I did encourage a certain friend of ours to go to that. And she said she would have loved to go, but she's seeing the Nutcracker that night. So um, hopefully you'll have more events because I'm definitely sending several people your way. Oh, that's great. We will have ballet dancers there. So if they feel like, (laughs) no, we won't. But, um, you know, anybody, anybody, maybe Lily will tap dance. Anything to get people in the room. Love it. I'm just kidding. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time on this very cold evening. This was great. Thank you both. All right. Bye, campers. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. 
You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.